Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted and Garrett are with you once again. Today, we're going to talk about uh, season two, episode 19, Partners Investment. We skipped seven, season two, episode 18, Where's Grandpa? Because that is on our list of episodes that do not deserve a full podcast. We have about six or seven episodes. We're skipping in season two that we will go back to before we go to season three that we'll probably be doing mini reviews of each one in a different format. We'll maybe talk about the highs, but also why we consider these lows. Um, so we'll be doing that. So we do not have this episode on that list. So before we get into our discussion, we will turn it, let's turn it over to Garrett for a little preview of the right, or not preview, but Look at who's writing this episode. Partners Investment, Season 2, Episode 19, air date February 4th, 1972. Writing credit on this, not a surprise. Old friends of ours, team of Billy Idelson, Harvey Miller, who, in fact, you will notice in the end credits of this episode in all of Season 2 are credited as script consultants, basically for the whole season, which I assume that they're permanent writing staff or senior writers. So um, this is one of their own. So we open up on an establishing shot of 1049 Park Avenue. We're panning up at night and we see Oscar's room and we see Felix tiptoe in. He grabs a pair of pants off the bed. And by the way, we already know something's weird because Felix never likes to go into Oscar's room. And he starts to go through the pockets of the pants and he notices something odd in it. And he pulls out a f- empty beer bottle from the pocket of the pant and which is a funny sight gag. And then he puts that down and it starts to look around the room and he finds another pair of pants, which is covering Oscar's face. Oscar's asleep under the pant and smoking a cigar. I couldn't tell if the cigar was lit. Did you, I think it wasn't because that would be obviously more dangerous. What did you think? Uh, It did not look lit. And that's a good thing because, you know, I'm told that that's a really dangerous thing to do is to fall asleep in bed with some kind of smoking. Yes. And I, 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 yes, even though Oscar's sloppy, I like to think he's not that careless. So um, Felix is a bit shocked by the fact that he finds Oscar lying there with a cigar in his mouth, but he goes, starts to go through the pants and he finds money in one of the pockets. So he takes some of the money out of the, uh, some from the wad that he finds in the pants, puts it in his own pocket and puts the rest back in Oscar's pants. Oscar wakes up at this commotion and says, Felix. And now Felix, who by the way, could have easily made an excuse here. Now starts, to, he, says, you, he says, you caught me, didn't you? which I, the one thing that always bugged me was he, he easily could have made up an excuse for what he was doing. I mean, he's already stealing <laughs> yes, money. but that's so, so funny. I know, it's funny. But <laughs> thinking of it logically, if he's going to steal someone's money, which I know he didn't be stealing, yes. why not yes. lie and say, oh, I forgot right. I left you. Yeah. Okay. Right. So Oscar says, caught right. you what? Felix says, stealing your money. Don't worry, go back to sleep. You still have half an hour. Oscar says, okay puts a cigar back in his mouth, which I think we then see it is not lit at that point. And he starts to go back to sleep, but then he opens his eyes and starts to think about what just happened and has a very confused look on his face. And then we go to credits from there. So after we come back from credits, we have a scene where Oscar now confronts Felix about what he just saw. Hey, you're up early. Want some eggs? I want some eggs. Yeah? What? 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 You're not making any sense. I'm gonna be more explicit. Yeah. What? 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 I don't know what you're talking about. Did I see you taking money from my pocket? Yes. I did. Yes. I mean, you were stealing money from me. That's what I saw. 
Yes. Yes, that's your confession. You're a thief. Yes, yes. Yes. You want some eggs? Well, you're gonna be an egg in a minute. <laughs> Why are you stealing money from me? If you're gonna shout at me like that, I won't even discuss it with you. I'm sorry. How long has this been going on? About two years. <laughs> Drink your juice. No, it gives me acid indigestion. And uh, how much have you stolen? Mm, about two thousand dollars. Two to get a pit. Yeah. Uh -huh. Two thousand dollars. <laughs> what did you spend it on? Hmm? What tissues, vacuum cleaners? How? dare you? How dare me to accuse me of pilferage for personal aggrandizement? Well, what did you do with the money? Give it to nasal research? I'd, I'd hate to be like you. I really would. You're so suspicious. I was saving it for you. You put it away for me? Yep. Oh, you know, you were saving it for me for my future. How dare you? <laughs> Give me the money. I don't have the money on me. It's in the bank. What bank? First federal savings and loan. It's earning interest every day. Except tomorrow. <laughs> Whose name is it on? Yours or mine? Well, yours, of course. It wouldn't be ethical to put it in my name. Oh, tell me about ethics sneaking the night thief through the pockets. Who are you calling? Yes, bank isn't open at this hour of the morning. Hello. Let me talk to Harry, please. It's Oscar Madison. Who's Harry? We'll see. Which Harry? Hello, Harry. Listen, I got two dollars in the fifth on that neck. Not Harry. But now I got two thousand and dollars on that No, no, I can't permit this. Cover no. the bed, don't I? Cover You're not going to blow this money on a horse. I worked hard to get that money. You think I like going into your room every night? Let that be a lesson to you. What? Crime doesn't pay. <laughs> So I love the moral authority that Felix thinks he has in this scene, despite the fact that he's a thief. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, it is very out of left field that Felix is doing this, right? Like, right. where does that come from? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, we know that Oscar, he's concerned about Oscar's finances. He's mentioned that before. Uh, but this does seem a little uncharacteristic and a little bold. A little, yeah. uh, a little, um, a little. Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, presumptive. And also, what he's been doing for two years. So all of a sudden, the whole show, the entire right. And so 104 <laughs> on the 104th time he's done, he gets caught, and he couldn't figure out a way to get out of it. That's the other thing that I always like. All right, you've been doing this for two years. Why did you get caught that night? You don't care about that, do you? No. Okay. Um, also, there was a good callback there. I don't know if you noticed where Felix has pits in his juice. Yes, like. the pits. Yeah, so that was a good callback from Sleepwalker. Which because oh. funny, Felix is the one who insists on no pits in his juice, and yet the juice he himself has made. Yes. Has pits. Yeah. So, but it's also the, one of those great like moments that could have been an ad lib. It's like they do this when they they're drawing out this bit, and Oscar's trying to get something out of Felix, and he keeps, uh, you know, he keeps pushing and prodding and. He's just observing what Felix is doing. And so it's like almost an inside joke with Jack Lugman and Johnny Randall. So the next scene, we see a police car drive by 1049 Park Avenue and stop at the red light, which is like a way of telling us Murray is there. Right. But kind of impressive second unit work here to, in that establishing shot to, you know, normally they just have some generic shot of the building, but they actually had to get a police car and drive it in front of the building. Or... I don't seen that before. Right, or, or it was a coincidence, or it was stock footage, maybe, somehow, even though it was the right block. Parks right next to the building. I'm going to say it was a coincidence, because that, obviously, Murray isn't driving past the building and then being in Oscar's apartment. So it was a very loose way of establishing Murray was there, which tells me they were lucky to get the shot. And they said, oh, great, this is the closest we get to showing Murray's there. Although, I think there are other shots of Murray's police car pulling up in front of the building in other seasons, I think. Hmm. Okay, we'll keep an eye out. Let's, let's, this is really important. We should just talk about this for only 10 more minutes and then move on. Well, now that you mentioned Okay, so uh, the new scene is, after that, is that Oscar and Murray are watching horse racing on TV. And again, like we mentioned in a prior episode where they're watching TV, now that we see a focus of the TV, there has to be something behind it because that's where the fourth wall is. And we see this like wooden bureau. 
and two horses are competing to win, Redneck and Tumbleweed. Oscar has bet on Redneck, which we know because he keeps saying, come on, Redneck. But then Murray asks him, which horse is yours? And the announcer says, the horses are nose to nose. And Oscar says to Murray, I wish my horse had your nose. So another it's becoming a thing now. Yeah, it's becoming yeah. a regular joke now. Then a new horse named Reg Dog starts to make a play to win. And Murray roots for that dog because he gets confused because there's two dogs named Red. He thinks they both look brown and he wants to adjust the color but Oscar, on the TV set, but Oscar won't let him. So, so Murray does not, not coming off as too bright. Really. No, and I, I don't think I, I don't think I process this as much as I mm-hmm. had. Like watching the show, I always knew Murray was bumbling, but doing this podcast, I've, I now <laughs> mo- notice more how dumb they make him. <laughs> he's just a, he's a, a bunch of walking nose jokes or yeah. dumb jokes. Right. And I, I knew that. Maybe in this season, maybe, maybe he gets more depth later, but he seems to only exist kinds of jokes now and, and corrupt police jokes. Or incompetent right. police chief. Maybe maybe it is better later, but I don't think so because I don't. I, I think I would have noticed this now. I just I because never. Not kn- only can he not tell the two horses apart, but he assumes that because their names are Red Neck and Red Dog, that they must somehow be Red Horses. But also, when Oscar's saying, "Come on, Red Neck," Murray asks, "Which horse is yours?" <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like really like low IQ level. Yes. Yeah, that's like someone who's got uh, intellectual issues, processing issues, <laughs> and I don't think we're supposed to assume Murray has that. So I just, I definitely doing this podcast has made me more aware of the level of stupid they make Murray to yes. be that but I don't I guess, think I now know. You know, every, every sitcom needs a dumb guy to make dumb jokes about, I suppose. Yeah, but I never thought of Murray as this dumb. Yeah, I thought of him yeah. as lovable no, and bumbling, but not yeah. stupid. <laughs> these are stupid. <laughs> All right. I agree. I agree. It's a bit much. Uh, so, uh, so after that, there's a so Red Dog and Redneck are now vying for first, but then Aunt B becomes the leader, and and Murray says she he thinks that's a nice name, but Redneck wins, and Oscar go, goes to call Harry the bookie. Now, I want to point out that I always thought of Oscar's bookie as Fifty Second Street Irwin. Now, maybe yeah. that name comes up later. Maybe that doesn't in season two or maybe it's in season one i don't know but who's why is harry what happened to Irwin? uh good question well we gotta we kind of have to do our homework here a little more i guess to establish whether Irwin was in season one but um i don't remember a harry again so right and i guess oscar can have two bookies i mean there's no rule against that um so uh Murray says, don't spend it all in one place. Oscar says, why not? I want it all in one place. Oscar says Murray should have bet with him. Murray says he never bets on the ponies. He only bets on one sport, professional wrestling. <laughs> right. Also, file under. But that is, that's just kind of, that I don't consider to be a stupid person statement. I consider that to be kind just of a like a, a naive. Old, naive, yeah. right. A naive is a good word for what I think about Murray. Not not stupid. So uh, Harry, when Harry picks up, he uh, Oscar asks, "What did he win?" But Murray's whistling. Murray's whistling while pouring some milk, and Oscar says he can't hear Harry. The mockingbird flew through my window. I just this scene it means nothing. It's just a throwaway bit, but I just find yeah. it so funny that Murray does his whistling. Um, Harry says it paid four twenty, which means Oscar won forty two hundred dollars. So. I guess that means he bet a hundred dollars, and it, I don't know gambling. And, and four twenty means he won four hundred twenty. I don't understand. I didn't catch the odds. Did they ever say what the odds were? No. Does that mean okay. he bet ten dollars? Well, presumably he took all the money. Oh out right, of the he bank. took two thousand dollars, and four. I don't get it. Maybe he only bet a thousand. I don't know. I I don't know. But by the way, forty two hundred dollars is $26,000 today, which means Oscar, which means Felix has been stealing $10,000 from Oscar, about more than $10,000. If Oscar, if Felix stole $2,000 from Oscar and $4,200 is $26,000, let's call $2,000 over $10,000. So that's a lot. And $26,000, that's a lot of money to win on a horse race. That's a lot. That's why people play the ponies, you know? That's for that kind why of money. they call it gambling. gambling. Oh, wait, we just skipped like four seasons. Uh, I know. Murray continues to whistle. Oscar is trying to figure out how he gets his money, but says he can't hear Harry because the Mockingbird is back. 
Harry tells Oscar that Felix picked up the money. Oscar says, how could that be? The horse just won. Harry says that Felix was waiting there and that he insisted on new bills because <laughs> the flu is going around. Okay, well, aside from the flu, but yes. what? Yes, and I wrote, I wrote in my notes, why would Harry give Felix Oscar's money? And how does Oscar, how does Harry even know who Felix is? How does Felix know where Harry is to get right. the money? Right. Like, none right. of that makes sense. Yeah, this would be a great scam. It's just to, uh, you know, go to, your, go to a bookie and just say, that's my friend's bet. I'll collect it for him. Do they have bookies anymore? Uh, well, you know, a lot of them were put out of business by OTB, uh, which is the... documented in the show, in the series. Yeah, that was the point, I think, of OTB. Uh, but I think they obviously still persist. Today, I mean, there's got to you know, there's so much online gambling. Right. So, but that, that would mean to me that replaced the bookie, I would think. Perhaps some listeners have some special insights into this. Okay, well, tell, tell us if you know. So, uh, I just think it was funny, by the way, that uh, personal memory that, that one of the vocab, I had a lot of, you probably had this too, that as kids, we grew our vocabularies thanks to the odd couple. And uh, I, therefore, this is where I learned the word bookie. Oh, interesting. Vocabulary. That's probably Even me too. Yeah. Not very applicable to a eight-year-old, nine-year-old, whatever. You don't make yourself sound so young. You were probably 10 or 11. I think I started watching it by the time I was eight, maybe. All right. When did it start going on channel 11? We have to establish. Uh, yeah, that I don't know. So Murray is still um, whistling after he gets off the phone with Harry. So Oscar squishes his face and says, hold it, Nightingale. Oscar says to Murray that Felix picked up the money. Murray says, he's a swell guy. I wish he was my best friend. Oscar says, how do you want him, dead or alive? So we have a new scene. Murray is now sitting in the living room again with a glass of milk, and he tells Oscar that his squad car is double parked for three hours. Murray says, how will it look, a police car with a ticket on it, and he's being derelict in his duties. Oscar says he's better off. It's a rough crowd out there. Felix comes home, and Oscar says Murray should arrest him for hijacking. Murray says, what airline? Okay, so yet more, again, with the hijacking jokes. Right. Uh, big, big comedy topic of 1972. Uh, but uh, hijacking? Well, not robbery? Yeah, I don't know. I think it was a joke because if you say it, it's a funny, it's like a comedy, it's a reference at the and time. Dance for a hijacking joke, yeah. Uh, Felix says Oscar will be thrilled when he finds out about what he has done with his money. Oscar says he has 30 seconds to thrill him. Felix says he has vested his money in something as solid as the Rock of Gibraltar and rooted in the basic needs of the American people, a Japanese restaurant. And we go to break. Uh, so funny, uh, right? That it, it seems not what most people would think is uh, it. Uh, those things that Felix says, although of course it's a big part of American culture, he's right. Um, but here we go with the Japanese restaurant thing, uh, which is, uh, well, as we'll continue to talk about, but remember in the previous episode or a few episodes ago, right? Uh, Japanese restaurants are so much on the writer's minds that when uh, Felix is trying to, can't talk and he slants his eyes to mean yeah. Korea, and Oscar thinks that Gloria is flying away to a Japanese restaurant. Right. Because that's the first thing he thinks of when he thinks of Asian people. Um, but before we talk more about Japanese restaurants, which we will later, I just want to, let's just get this out of the way. This service that Felix has been doing for Oscar, of saving his money and storing it away, right? Investing it for him, as he says, which we might think he means some kind of 10-year CD or uh, you know, a retirement plan. Um, turns out to be kind of sounds already like a very risky investment. Right. That's true. I don't know why Felix thinks a Japanese restaurant is a gold mine. Yeah. So we open, so after the break, we open on a Benihana-style Benny chef preparing a meal in a Japanese restaurant. It looks like a Benihana restaurant. But the guy and, at the table cutting everything up, big Yeah, although this guy, so unlike, it's, this isn't a teppanyaki, there's no teppanyaki table. It's a, the, he's, I, I did not know that term. How I think that's a, uh, because I love Benihana and I <laughs> somehow. I, 
you know, I think the only time I went to Benihana, and I, as in New York, I should have gone more often, I guess, but I remember a birthday party in seventh or eighth grade. I don't know whose it was. Maybe it was yours. Uh, at that, That's when I went to Benihana the first time. I've been to the one in Midtown in New York. Yeah. I've been the- to five times pre-pandemic wow. when I was still working in the office and having lunch with people. I went there like five or six times. It was delicious. And they still do the do the thing with the with the knives. And yep, the whole the whole sh- the whole spiel is still there. Uh, but this guy is cooking on like a little grill next to the table, so it's wow. not full Benihana, but it's kind of the general gist of it. Also, I don't know if they were going to be able to bring in a teppanyaki table to the set. Uh, someone so, who trusts with the knives in that close that close to the patients. So Felix and Oscar walk in. Felix says, this is the Miyako Gardens. Oscar says he'd rather have Boardwalk and Park Place. So is I that guess, a Monopoly joke? It's, it is. It's a Marvin Gardens is Monopoly. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Felix says, take off your shoes. Oscar says, why? Is somebody sleeping? Felix says, it's a custom. Don't be the ugly American. And as Oscar is taking off his shoe, Felix looks at his feet and says, put them back on. He has a hole in his sock. Or you have a hole. He says you have a hole in your sock. Um, Oscar says he doesn't like Japanese food and he doesn't know anything about restaurants. Felix says he doesn't have to. He's a silent partner. Felix says they prepare the food at the table. Oscar asks, can't they afford a kitchen? Oscar says, give me my money back or I'm going to call the Bunko Squad. They sit at the table in the siesta position. So in the closed captioning, that's what Felix says, to sit in the siesta position, S-I-E-Z-A. I looked that up, and that literally means correct sitting, which in this case are the legs bent, knees forward, buttocks resting on heels. And Oscar asks, what are we going to do, pray? By the way, I don't know if you noticed, that joke, what are we going to do, pray? What are we going to pray? Gets no laugh at all from the audience. A waitress brings them hot towels. This is, I found funny, even if it's a little... It is a little racist. Felix says origato, which of course is Japanese for thank you. But Oscar thinks that, <laughs> uh, that the woman's name is Rigato. So Oscar says, hello, Rigato. And uh, Oscar is now annoyed. Like he didn't realize he was getting a hot towel. So he's like annoyed that the towel's hot. He's saying hot, hot, hot. And he says he washed his hands before he got there. Oscar then says, bye, Rigato, when the, the woman leaves. <laughs> Uh, I didn't notice that just listening to it. Yeah, That's yeah, funny. it's hard. It is hard to hear. I, I again noticed it because of the closed captioning. You do. You could think he's actually saying "origato" just like right. Felix did, but if you look at the closed caption, he's actually saying "hello" and "goodbye, rigato." Yeah. Um, they observe a couple eating, and Felix says, "Isn't that nice?" That you know, there's this people in the restaurant and they're eating food and having a good time. Oscar says, get me out of here. I don't know anything about this joint. Felix says he doesn't have to. Would I put you into anything I haven't gone into myself? Felix says he put $4,000 of his own money into this. So that's another $25,000 figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I am, I think it's a little silly for us to believe that Felix would put that much money in. I mean, we find out why. We found out there's a special connection between him right. and the owner. Still, it seems like a lot. Well, before uh, we get to, to the owner. Um, well, but wait, before you go, I just want to say, there, let me just finish this bit and then you can go. Yeah, yeah, okay. Felix says he put $4,000 into his money. And Oscar says, who stole the money from your pocket? Uh, and Felix says he knows how to save money. Okay, go ahead. Well, I just, yeah, before we get into now the, the big guest star. Um, yeah. I did take I did take the time to look up Benihana just to make to confirm whether that is the reference point, whether that's what's being satirized or kind of referred to, uh, or is like this is a substitute for Benihana. And Benihana indeed opened that that Midtown restaurant in 1965, and uh, was a big hit by just within the, the the next few years. And so by here we are, 1972, and Benihana is already one of New York's most popular restaurants. And the Benihana did popularize that style in America, brought that style of uh, table service and cooking and knife throwing and all that. Uh, so I don't think it's knife throwing, by the way. Sorry, not supposed to be. No. <laughs> yes, yeah. 
tossing. Uh, it's kind of the pyrotechnics, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and so it's pretty clear to me that that I don't doesn't look like it was in L.A. yet, but certainly the New Yorkers on the show knew it. Um, and in the Wikipedia entry for Benihana, it does confirm that uh, Mr. Aoki, the founder of Benihana, Rocky Aoki, Rocky Aoki did start the restaurant with a ten that which was what was then a ten thousand uh, dollar capital. Oh, interesting. So uh, initial uh, investment. Uh, so that's kind of it gives us a ballpark of what uh, the owner in this show is is dealing with. And you have four thousand from Felix and two thousand from Oscar, right? Or actually, no, four thousand from Oscar, right? His winnings, more yeah, of his winnings, yeah. Of course, so yeah, he's so got that, more than fifty grand from these two yeah. people. All right, let's right. meet. Let's meet the owner. Here is the clip. Money, the food here is sensational. Why does he have to cut us in with so great? Ah, the inscrutable Mr. Under. Ah, my friend Mr. Yamada. Yamada-san, nice to see you. This is my friend Mr. Madison, the other silent partner, Mr. Yamada. How you oh, do, sir? Mr. Madison, I'm very happy to meet you. May the wind of change bring bird of luck. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to Miyako Garden. I stand up, but I'm afraid I couldn't get down again. Now, explain your... Anka! Ah, Chosan, what is Anka! Ring, 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 ring! Anka! Anka? Ah, oh, it is telephone for Mr. Felix Anka. Oh, ring, 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 ring. Felix Anka. It is in the kitchen. Yes. Yamada-san, explain the improvements you plan to Madison-san. He is a nervous sparrow in a nest of gold. Ah. Mr. Anka is a very fine gentleman. In Japan, he would be considered most honorable man. Over here, he's considered a pest. <laughs> Breathe. Nosh. Well, I'll tell you the truth, Mr. Yamada. I really don't want to be a partner. See, uh, Mr. Anga had no right to invest my money without talking to me about it, you see? The flight of a lost bird is at the mercy of the wind, Mr. Madison. Everybody's talking about birds, but nobody's talking about my four grand, you see? It's lost in the wind. Buying many improvements. This is how it will be at the end of six weeks. Mm -hmm. Huh? New rooms, air conditioning, bigger garden. With your money, Miyako Gardens will become number one Japanese restaurant in the entire city. Uh, well, couldn't you be number two and try a little Oscar? What? Guess what? That was my daughter on the phone. She only has two cavities. <laughs> Must be that new toothpaste we're using. Now you know why he's considered a pest over here. Mr. Madison. Yes, sir. The bird that make an extra egg. Uh, forget that. Let me speak your language. Without use of bird. In this room alone, I take in eight, maybe nine hundred a week. Again? No. From week, I break a thousand. I have a takeout tray that is dynamite with the college crowd. They think it is hip to eat nip. <laughs> Money from you and uh, Mr. Anga, I can triple my profits in three months, six tops. You like the ponies, I oh, hear. Yeah, I love them. Here is gambling money for you. Mr. Yamada, you talk very nice, but if it's such a good thing, how come you're cutting us in? Mr. Anga and I have been close friends for many years. Hey, you've been selling him those cameras? <laughs> Not quite, no. However, we have known each other a long time. We met one night on a beautiful tropical island. All right, before we get to that scene, let's talk about this one. A couple things. Before we get into who's playing Mr. Yamada, the scene is a bit racist. We agree on that. Yes. The eat nip statement, it is funny coming from Pat Morita, uh, and it is a funny line. It just obviously feels uncomfortable today. Also, the word nip, we should say the word, the, the ethnic slur nip, which, is, which was very popular during World War II. That's when it was popularized, so that's why these men use it so much. Um, but interesting fact, the slur nip is a, what we call a corruption of the, the, the Japanese name of Japan, which is Nippon. Yes. Um, and we're going to hear it again in another clip. Also, the camera reference is obviously a stereotype about Japanese people. Which, which he kind of reacts to in an awkward way, like, uh, no. I'm yeah. Um, so, all right, so that's, that is what it is. It's 1972 and we can't do much about it. Uh, the, of course, try harder is a reference to the Avis campaign, oh. which Avis started that campaign in 1962 to try to compete with Hertz and was so successful for them that, 
there was a point in time where they almost couldn't use it anymore because they had that that helped their market share and their their sales grow so much that they almost took Hertz over. So that's a reference to what was then an already an old tagline, but of course a very popular tagline that I think we still know today. The weirdest part about that is that whole Edna cavity scene. Edna knows to call <laughs> Felix at this random Japanese restaurant at this time. That well, is, okay. or if Gloria does. How does that well, happen? I think, well, I don't think that's as weird as Edna Unger has. has exactly. Has had so many cavities. Yes. yes. That he's that Felix is bragging that yeah. she only has two. That was my we second met, part of this. Is like we that. Met Edna yeah. A few weeks ago, she's such a a well. She's she herself is a neat freak. Yeah. So I agree. Both those things are. First of all, there's no. There's no. I mean, the whole point of it was to get Felix out of the room so Oscar and Yamada can talk. Right. But that was such a. It's bizarre, so forced. It's, they could yeah. have done something. Yeah. I agree. And also, I, I think it's weird it gets as big a laugh as it does. Yes, I agree. It's not that yeah. funny. So um, I do like the interaction between um, Pat Marita and Jack Klugman. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. All right, let's talk about Pat Marita. Pat Marita. Yeah, okay. So there's a lot to say here. Um, so uh, he was born in California. And uh, now, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, in the credits, the character is identified as Mr. Wing. I think this is something the Odd Couple fans know is a bit of a thing. He is, Mr. Yamada is not the name in the end credit. So really? I guess at some point he was called Mr. Wing in the script and then they changed it to Yamada for some reason. Because <laughs> first thing that comes to my mind is that Wing has a more Chinese sounding uh, name. Oh, that could be. And Yamada is more authentically Japanese. So right. I would hope that they were not so racist that they just confuse the two or maybe it was originally a chinese restaurant maybe they changed the whole oh that uh, could be too because they got Pat Marie, maybe i also i fear that it would survive in the closing credits yeah i also maybe this was naive or stupid but i also thought maybe yamada meant wing in japanese somehow but but, but i looked it up and yamada means eight forked not wing eight what eight forked f-o-r-k-e-d what would be eight forked i don't know I, 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 didn't, I didn't read the description, that, the definition that thoroughly. So Pat Morita was Pat born, Marita. Yes, born in California and spent many years of his younger life, I didn't realize, is suffering from tuberculosis. In fact, he was in a body cast for a good part of his younger life, and he was told he would never walk again. But he did, and then he actually got a pretty prestigious job at Lockheed working on, uh, I think- As an adult as an adult working in uh, some very important government related projects, but he quit the job because he wanted to do stand-up comedy. So he started working as an actor uh, as TV and movies in the mid sixties after he started to get some notice as a comedian. And this was one of his early appearances, uh, 1972. Um, after this, he did a bunch of seventies shows like Hawaii Five-0 and Bob Newhart, MASH and Police Woman. Then he was on seven episodes of Sanford and Son as, speaking of racist terms, Ah Chu was his name, character's name on Sanford and Son. Yeah. But then, of course, he got his biggest break playing the owner of Arnold's Drive-In on Happy Days in its third season. But he left Happy Days, and I didn't remember all this chronology. He left that show pretty quickly, uh, after about a year, to star on his own show, which was a Welcome Back Cotter spinoff called Mr. T and Tina which was one of the first American TV shows to have an Asian cast. He played a single dad who was in Chicago, transplanted from Japan, and he hires a, a white nanny to take care of his kids. So kind of a fish out of water, cultural clash sitcom, but it did not last long. It actually, they only aired nine out of 13 episodes. Um, and of course, the big connection is that when he left, Happy Days, it was Al Molinaro who came in to replace Pat Morita as the new owner of Arnold's Al ah, Vecchio. So, you know, a big, clearly a big Gary, Gary Marshall. Marshall. Yes. Well, it's all good. Uh, so Morita then went on to, to uh, so Morita then played Arnold again in Blansky, hmm. Blansky's Beauties, which was a Happy Days spinoff that most people don't ever remember. I with, do not remember that at all. Yeah, it, Nancy Walker played a dead mother to a bunch of Vegas showgirls. And wow. he was Arnold. I think he was maybe the chef. That's not a real show. Come That's on. a real show. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Blans <laughs> Blansky's Beauties. 
have you seen it? Has it, uh, is it I possible? Have, uh, I have not seen it. That is, uh, I do hunt down a lot of old TV shows that most people don't see, but I'm usually doing that for hour long shows. I don't usually an hour long, like cop show that failed. I might like it's rare where there's a comedy that failed that I'm going to like really seek because it probably wasn't funny. I've not seen it. My bet is you could find maybe the opening credits on YouTube. Maybe so an episode of Gary Marshall too. Or at least yes. 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 Um, and interesting, Scott Baio and Eddie Mecca, who were later on Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, respectively, were both on Blansky's Beauties as different people before they went on to get bigger fame on Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. Five years later, after Blansky's Beauties, he went back to Happy Days to play Arnold in seasons 10 and 11 when Al Morinaro left Happy Days to appear on Joni Loves Chachi as Al DeVecchio. <laughs> And then one year after all that, he got what is obviously his most famous role, which is Mr. Miyagi uh, in the Karate Kid movies. After that, he was very, worked very steadily until his death in, 20, in 2005, including the thing I actually watched that everyone else, I think, thinks is a joke. And it is a weird show, which was an ABC cop show called O'Hara. Do you remember O'Hara? Yeah, I, I remember the, the title oh, because it's, it sounds Irish, but right. it's really Ara. Yes. So um, I actually have both. It's a cop show, right? It's a cop show. It's a cop show, and it had. I when I in when we were in high school, I used to record TV themes off the TV using a cassette tape. And <laughs> not, this, even, not even through a VCR, right? Yes, and this show had two different themes, both of which I love. But if you heard them, you would laugh because you think they're terrible mm -hmm. and cliche. But I, I still listen to them, which is probably <laughs> pathetic. But I do, I enjoyed O'Hara. It was a very weird show. And in midway through the show, they went through this big transition. Like they reformatted the entire show midway through. It was weird. I, I, I can't tell you if it would look good today or not. Um, so that's, that's our summary of Pat Morita. Oh, but, can, I just, can I just add or yeah. comment on a couple of things that it's really... I hadn't really looked at his career before. I was always, I always liked him, but uh, yeah, what a fascinating life, you know, including by the way, his child. So he's born in California in the thirties and he spends his young childhood in a cast basically, you know, and not, uh, unable to walk. Uh, but then when he's finally let out of the hospital, he goes straight into the Japanese internment camps. Uh, so like George Takei, you know, oh, I a, missed that when my research is a, 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 you know, a Japanese American actor who whose childhood was formed in the, the Japanese internment camps during the war. Uh, so it's fascinating that that's in his background and you know, must have informed how he, he dealt with racism throughout his life. But here he was as like uh, a successful what it would have been like to be a successful Asian actor in Hollywood in the coming up in the 70s. The other thing uh, interesting about his career, I didn't realize how much it his he started as a stand-up yeah and that i uh, one of the i think wikipedia even referred to red fox as a mentor of his and that that was the connection to sanford and son so it's interesting that red fox is mentoring other you know minority comedians during that time and uh and then he goes on to be a, a fine actor in the karate kid movies etc so uh really really interesting i'd love to I wonder if there's a good biography or something good. It's an interesting life. So now we're going to play the scene where, where Felix and Yamada meet. And for Flashback. those who, well, yeah, who don't have, don't can't visualize it because you've seen it. We're, we're going to, this all takes place on what is supposed to be a, a world war two Island in somewhere in the Pacific. And not just any Island. Guadalcanal. Guadalcanal. Right? Site yeah. of one of, yes. One of the bloodiest battles. Yes. So uh, just imagine that in your head as you're listening to this scene. And Which, they are playing themselves 25 yeah, yes. years they, they, They've made no attempt to, to make them look younger. So it is, I, and they never really do a good job of that anyway, as we've said before. I never forget, beautiful place. Mm -hmm. Warm breeze, palm trees, swaying. <laughs> You guys go ahead, I'll catch up. I'm just tidying up a little. <laughs> 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 
You startled me for a minute. I'm the only one here. Everybody else is gone. Who are you? Unger, Felix, Hank Lieutenant, 01650295. Yeah! Why are you here? Where are others? According to the Articles of War, I don't have to tell you anything more. This article of war wants to know why you here are wrong. Well, I, I was policing up the area. And I think you fellas ought to do the same. We passed through one of your base camps. The place is a mess. Remember, this is not our island. We're only guests here. Huh? You shut mouth. Water? No. Vichyssoise. Vichyssoise? It's a cold potato soup sprinkled with leeks. And believe me, it was no easy job to find leeks on this side. May I remind you that it's a serious breach of regulations to confiscate personal property. You're supposed to sip it slowly. It's good, isn't it? Huh? I have not eaten in week. I have been rost. Lost? Rost. <laughs> They told us this place was just infested with nips, uh, with the... You people. Don't believe everything you hear. They told me I'd be making love to Betty Grable on White House lawn by Christmas. Food in here? No, no, that's just garbage. Leave it alone. No. I've got some food here. I've got a fish. I've got some vegetables. Ah, you give me. If you'll be patient, I'll fix you something. Hayaku! Fast! I can't cook with a gun pointing. I mean, why don't you sit down like a nice guy and relax? How'd you get lost? I was a kamikaze pirate. Uh-huh. I got nervous and make a safe landing. Why didn't you go back? They only gave me one-way map. Maybe you can be my prisoner. Come with us. Maybe. First I see how I like your cooking. <laughs> you will. Tell me, are all Americans like you? No, I'm especially nice. I feel it's important to present America in a good light to all our neighbors, friendly and otherwise. Are you with the Red Cross? Now, are they here too? I've seen a lot of half-eaten donuts around. How do you like your fish? Raw. <laughs> Don't be silly. You like it the way I cook it. No, I like raw. That's a good way to catch hepatitis. I want raw. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm the host. I have gun. I have the fish. You can roar, you local Yankee dog. <laughs> and that is the first time in my life I ever ate uh, cooked fish. Did you get hepatitis? No. Jay was right again. We have been uh, friends ever since. Look, Mr. Yaman, I'm going to level with you. I know that you're honest and you're sincere and honorable, but... I had other plans for my money. Uh -huh. Yeah, I want to buy a fantastic car, 58 Maserati. I know I can get one for four grand. I would like to invite you to the back to my parking lot. Why, what's there? A brand new Maserati. This year's model, which I buy from the profits <clears throat> in this business. Hey. So uh, that scene is bizarre. <laughs> it's funny, and there's a charm to it, and it's obviously interesting dynamic between them. It, it's just... You have to separate the yeah. racism yeah. out of it and just enjoy it for what it is and well, not focus on yeah. it. Yeah, so racism like uh, the uh, Rost. Yes. <laughs> it is lost uh, joke. But it, interesting that Felix even catches himself saying nips and right. corrects himself, so yes. therefore acknowledging the racism of that. Marita is also putting on, Marita's putting on a kind of stereotype himself, like more of an accent in the scene being... Uh, much more brutal um but and, but it is weird because it is such it's such a tv a cheap tv set right it's like but there is no attempt at realism to be fair it's just like a, a sketch it's like this yeah. little sketch in the middle of the episode where uh a, about a, a flashback a world war ii kind of uh spoof world war ii movie spoof in a way which but is I, still again, within 25 years of people's memory yeah, also, like, the fact that Felix is cleaning up. He's got Vichy Schwa, that he's, that, that Pat Morita speaks that English that well as a right. kamikaze pilot. I mean, it's all farcical, but... What about, now, listening to it again, I'm a little clearer now, but I left the episode not at all sure what happened in between the battle and the present, but when, 
but maybe at the, the point is that Felix says you could be my prisoner. Is do you think that's what happened? Is that how he came to America? Is I guess I I guess that makes sense. Because there's no explanation of what he did after the war. No, right. I guess I guess he could become his prisoner, get go back to Japan after the war, and then immigrates. I guess. What about and do you get the Red Cross joke? I don't. I, I, I don't. I I, mean, I, I assume it had something to do with that Red Cross. Whenever the Red Cross visits, they have a lot of donuts to give to people they're they're helping out. That's what I assumed. But it's not that funny. No, it's not. Not every joke is a gem. I don't. Yeah, the audience in this in this episode, the audience in this episode, like the audience in this episode, like when when um feel when Oscar earlier says, "How do you want him dead or alive?" When Murray yeah. says it, the audience laughs really hard at that too. And I don't. I didn't get it. I Isn't think that the, a, the audience for this one, I guess. Yeah, the audience is weird, odd reactions for this episode. Oh, so, and yes. we can't let we can't let it go without going back to our old topic. What war? Yes. And which war theater did they fight in? Right. Because we've had a lot of testimony of we had Felix in Anzio. Yes. And yet, at the same time, he's now in Guadalcanal. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, obviously, the writers are not just keeping track of that for each other. This is just one season. It's all the same season. I know it, they, but I don't see them having some big whiteboard of continuity notes. <laughs> um, okay. So now we have a new group of four customers come in who Mr. Yamada calls steadies twice a week. Oscar calls them live ones. Felix comes rushing in. Oscar says, I made you an apology after hearing about the restaurant's success. Felix says he may owe Oscar an apology. Felix says he may owe Oscar an apology. Felix wants to talk to Yamada about the conditions of his kitchen. So Yamada goes back to the kitchen with Felix. Oscar asks if he has seen Yamada's new Maserati. Felix says, if it's on the floor of the kitchen, I have seen it. Oscar's now left alone in the room with the Japanese guests. He gets up, but his foot is asleep. So he starts stomping on his feet to wake it up, but it looks like he's dancing. The guest thinks he is the entertainment, but says his foot went to sleep. Then there's a very abrupt edit to the kitchen scene. I don't know if you noticed it, but it was a weird yeah. edit. So Felix, Felix points out that there's food everywhere in the kitchen. There's meat and fish on the floor everywhere. Felix, did, and so my question is, Felix invested $26,000 in today's money and didn't look at the kitchen till now? That, that is not Felix Unger. Mr. Yamada says it is dinner's time and it's busy and they will clean it up. Felix says it is not the cleanliness factor, it is the fa way the old man cooks. Now the old man is the person we heard in the earlier clip who came in to say that Felix, that Edna's on the phone. And he is played by uh, Cho San. No, sorry, I screwed that up. Uh, Mr. Yamada says this is Cho San. The old man, character's name is Cho San and he's one of the best. And we see an elderly Japanese man slicing and dicing and putting some of the food into a pot. Cho-san is played by H.W. Jim, G-I-M, who worked sporadically in the movies in the 30s and 40s and then on TV in the 50s. He was in several John Wayne movies, such as McClintock and True Grit. And this was his last role. He died a year after the episode aired. Mm. He's so, funny. He is funny. Mr. Yamada introduces Chosan to Felix, and they bow, and Chosan says, Cho says, hello, how are you? I'm fine. The whole conversation he takes care of, which the audience also laughs at very hard, yeah. by the way. Um, Yamada says he is from Stanford. I don't get that joke what? either. <laughs> is he, so he means Stanford, Connecticut? I think he means Stanford, Connecticut. I don't think he and means... And I, I guess the joke is that he is so obviously a foreigner... Yes, that he would be from Stanford. Stanford, Connecticut would be the whitest place yes, on Earth. I guess so. So, but is he, is he joking or is he trying to be serious about I that? I don't know. Trying to actually, we don't know. Felix uh, asks Yamada if he can ask Chosan to stop wasting food. Now then Chosan starts to throw food around the kitchen in his <laughs> most ridiculous way. He's just <laughs> tossing it like a baby. It's, it's, so, not a very good it's so stupid. It's funny. It is funny. The way he does it is really funny. It's just so dumb. And, uh, but Ted, I, again, just to question Felix's logic here, um, 
isn't it also weird that Felix the neat freak says I'm not, it's not the cleanliness, which yes. would be your first thought, like if the yeah. kitchen is a mess, that's like a hygiene problem. And uh, well, what I, know, he's worried about wasting food. I think what he's saying is it's not that the kitchen, like in general, isn't being kept up to standards. It's that when the old man is cooking, that's when it becomes messy. I think that's what he's just distinct, making a distinction between. Well, it's a narrow. His concern is not even the mess. It's just the, he says like yes. the wasting of. Yes, you're right. He does point that out. You're right. Um, Chosan, uh, so he starts to throw the food around. Felix tells him to put everything in the pot neatly. Uh, Yamada says he cannot understand Felix when he's talking in English. And then Felix starts speaking in Japanese. So let's play that clip. Then I'll speak to him in his own language. What do you say? He say you take this whole kitchen and... It doesn't matter, does it? But he's quitting. He is leaving. Good. Let him go. We'll get another cook tomorrow. Tonight you'll cook. Oh, no, I cannot cook. I could not cook on Guadalcanal. I have not improved since. What's going on? The old man out there choking a chicken. <laughs> it's nothing to get excited about. Nothing at all to get excited about. I'll cook tonight. Send the waiter in. I'll give him his orders. No, no, he is gone. He is nephew of the old man. They're both gone, I'm sure. Felix, what are you doing to my investment? They both quit. Don't worry about it. I'll cook tonight. You two will work as waiters. Ha, huh, you make mistake. I am not waiter here. I am boss here. As Kurosawa say, you make sleeping place, now lay in it. Unless <laughs> his wife was silent for me, he got a big mouth. He's a very stubborn man. Oh, come on, sir. Make up with him. You're old friends. Go ahead. I am now silent partner. Well, don't be a bad bird. If, as they say, we are what we eat, then your friend is a meatball. <laughs> You would say? Nothing to worry about. Nothing. Everything's going to be fine. It better. Chicken who invest friends' money and lose it get propped. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, get it, Yeah, I get it. The way he, uh, Cho San stamps, stomps out of the kitchen is funny, too. Choking so we, a chicken. Yes. So we have but a new not scene. A, not a dirty joke. We have a new scene. Felix is sharpening knives. Um, in the room where the steadies uh, that we saw early, the customers are in seated. In costume, in his full, in the full Benihana uh, outfit, right? He's dressed yes. up. And they ask, where is Ito? Who I guess was that chef we saw earlier on. Felix says he is replacing him tonight. Don't worry. Felix rubs his knives together and asks if he is authentic. The man says no, but he is dangerous. Oscar now comes in. Also, he's wearing a kimono and says, ah, so, with hot towels. And we now see there's another couple in the restaurant. Uh, we also notice, and this is a sight gag for later, that there's these Japanese-style doors that have kind of the paper- Sliding doors. Sliding right. doors that Oscar opens and closes every time he goes in and out of the room. He touches the towels that he's gonna give to the guests, but it burns them, so he says, hot, hot again, and they basically fall on the table and he throws the rest at the customers. He asks Felix, how is it going? Felix says, good, he is making unagi. He needs shrimp, crab, and bamboo shoots. Oscar is concerned about the giant knives he's using and starts eating some of the food that sits next to Felix's stove and says, this is great, what is it? Felix says, it's eel. Oscar bows out of the room and in the silhouette- he looks, like disgusted or- Yes, right. And as but he goes- What's wrong with eel? He goes out of the room and we see through the silhouette of the doors that he spits out the eel. Did you say what is bad about eel? Yeah. Are you asking that seriously? Well, I thought it was kind of funny that it, it's just so typical of how strange Japanese food still was to America then. I think I would react that way. I don't. But think don't eat. you have don't you have eel avocado rolls? No. I'm not I a big sushi it. guy. I didn't even know that was, I guess I didn't realize Which, that Which, by the way, speaking of sushi, no, remember the uh, Pat Morita raw fish uh, yes. scene, right? That little sushi reference. But we should note this is more of a Benihana restaurant, not a sushi restaurant. Right. Which was not a thing then in the early 70s. So the next scene, Oscar walks into the kitchen where Yamada is still sitting. So what we 
we should explain is in the scene where Chosan quits, uh, Paparita's character now starts to throw his own little temper tantrum and kind of sits petulantly on a stool, upset that Felix has, I guess, ruined his business. And so Oscar's walks to the kitchen where Yamada is still sitting on this stool. And Oscar asks, where's the shrimp, crab, and bamboo sticks? Then we hear a woman screaming, which is like, like a Foley sound effect that just sounds, it sounds like something out of Airplane. <laughs> like that scream sounds like it came from Airplane, the movie. And then he says, where's the shrimp, crab, and bamboo sticks? We hear the scream. And then he says, and the first aid kit. And we cut back to the room and we see that one of the knives Felix was using is now in the wall next to the steadies as if he had thrown it there like an ax and it stuck in the wall. And apparently also cut one of the woman's purse, like the woman there, it cut her purse strap. So now the purse strap is just one long piece of leather. (laughs) Felix says they will pay for that. Felix says, keep calm, just an accident. It was the soil oil on his hand. Soy 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 oil. Not calling it soy sauce yet. Oscar comes back and says, wait do you see who I got to help us. And in walks Murray in a kimono. Oscar <laughs> says, Tokyo knows. Of course, referencing the spy Tokyo Rose. We're up, jokes. We're up to two now for this episode. First of all, where did Murray come from? How did he get Murray there <laughs> in that amount of time? And also... Because of all the people who walked out of the restaurant, they needed help. Yeah. Right. But okay, so Murray comes to help you and you insult his nose? Uh, like, that's not nice. Well, they have kind of an abusive relationship. I know. That seems like uh, <laughs> uh, over the line to me. Yeah. Uh, Oscar tries to get Yamada to help again. If he doesn't come, he's going to see the first stainless steel samurai. Now, I don't get that joke. Did you? Uh, other than alliteration, uh, no, I, I don't even understand. Like, like a samurai, you're going to become a samurai made of stainless steel because you're been cut with knives. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think he's referencing Yamada. I think he's referencing Felix. I don't know. I didn't get that joke. Yamada says Felix made him lose face. Oscar says if he doesn't help, he's going to lose shirt. Back in the room, Felix is cooking, but there's a lot of steam coming off the grill and the guests are starting to cough. Felix is insisting everything is fine still. Felix says, can you smell it? Oscar says they can smell it in Japan. Oscar asks, what do you serve for dessert? A fire extinguisher? Felix keeps saying this is good. Felix calls for Murray, who comes in after Oscar opens the sliding door for him. Felix asks for sesame oil. Murray goes back out, and as Oscar opens the door for him, Felix asked for Murray to come back because he brought pea pods and not bamboo shoots. So Murray goes back out again. Oscar opens the door for him. And again, Felix calls for Murray. So Oscar closes the door again. Felix says he only brought three eggs. He needs six. This time, Murray goes back to leave again. But for some reason at that moment, Oscar goes to pour tea for a guest. And Murray doesn't see that Oscar has not opened Mm -hmm. the door for him and walks right through the paper door, which is a funny sight gag but quite forced. But, uh, but if you're going to pick someone to walk barge through a, a very delicate uh, paper sliding door, it would be Alma on Aaron. Yes. So that, then we have the final scene of the tag, which we're going to play uh, as, a, as a full clip. You did it again. You had to go be the show off. Well, I don't think it was my food that made them leave. Well, you threw the knife on the wall. That's what did it. I'm not the one who went through the door. Well, let's put it this way. They had no reason to stay. Uh-huh. Air conditioning. Uh-huh. Knife hole in the wall. Nice decoration. Charcoal eel. No more customers, which is okay, because I no longer have any help. That's a nice balance. So, you finally got even for Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Is there any way we can make it up to you? We're sorry, it was an accident. Look, we'll send you a check. No, no, I'll send you a check. Oh, no, no, we wouldn't think of accepting payment for tonight's work. Felix, I don't think you'd insist on that. No, I meant I'll send you a check to release you from your obligations as partners. I think I would get a real silent partner. Maybe Howard Hughes. (laughs) I'm not a son. Is this going to affect our friendship? Oh, not at all. Our friendship is ended. (laughs) 
Well, I'm sorry, sir. It was an accident. We'll leave. We won't bother you anymore. Terribly sorry. I'm sorry, your mother. You know how my... Before we leave, there's one thing I did want to say to you. These lanterns, oh. these are not Japanese lanterns. These are Chinese. Now, you're only a... that sound you heard was a rotary phone being dialed, which is a sign we don't hear anymore. And also, I always think about how back in the day when they had rotary phones on TV, you had to wait like five seconds for the person to dial the phone if you're going to show someone dialing a phone in a TV show. Because yeah. you can't like, you can't dial three numbers because people will think that's stupid. So right. you actually have to wait like that scene. I don't and even know. You, you don't have to give, devote that much airtime to it. <laughs> no, you just push a button and it dials and the person could pick up right away. Um, I actually, I, I, really, I, I meant to count to see if he actually dials seven numbers there, but um, it, it works out enough. But anyway, it's just something that you had to so do. The last joke, I have to admit, I don't get. Oh. Two years, I'm going to have a bet for you. Yeah, because Felix is stealing his money for two years. So two years, he's going to... Uh, let it grow to another $2,000 and place a bet just like he just did. So, but it's kind of weird that Oscar, because it didn't go so well, the first investment, Felix, the first time Felix did this, obviously did not go so well. And rather than stop Felix, he's actually going to let Felix continue, start over again. And well, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think you're overthinking this because I'm usually <laughs> the one overthinking this on the podcast. Okay. Yes, the joke is that in two years, he's going to let him do it for two more years because that Felix is really saving the money and he's going to bet. And of course, I have to believe that he would also tell Harry not to give the money to Felix this time. That would, that would be a good idea this time. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's, you know, they had to have a tag and that's the way they yeah. did. Of course, we're supposed to assume that every night during every episode, Felix <laughs> is coming in at some point and stealing Oscar's yeah. money, even in the episode, you know, when we not see an episode. Not referenced again, as far as I know. Exactly, no. Which is, of course, very common with this show, where things happen that are never referenced again. And that Pearl Harbor joke, the Pearl Harbor joke, which the audience loves, yeah. that's a fairly intense joke for something yeah. that, yes, it was 30 years, 30 years but... Um, I guess enough time had passed. I guess enough time had passed. So uh, this episode is weird. I, I, you know, it's got yeah. Japanese stereotypes. It's a bit contrived. I, yet, for some reason that I don't really can't explain well, there's something about it I like. I think it's Pat Morita's him being in the show because he's so naturally funny. Uh, and I, I don't have a better explanation. So I actually give it three out of five Murrays, which I know isn't that high a score. But I think the way we've been talking about it may suggest, and I'm not sure that you're going to be that high, that neither of us would get that high. This is, you know, this is one of the episodes when I think about the odd couple I never think about. I, I don't think most yeah. people do. But when it does, you know, when it, if I'm watching the DVDs or however I'm going through the show, I will watch it because I do, I do enjoy it. So that's my score, three out of five. Yeah. Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not quite there with you, but, uh, but maybe not much less, I'd say. You know, I would give it a two, but, but for, just for Pat Morita, I'd give it two and a half. Um, because he does uh, uh, lend some dignity to the material. He does uh, give his character some dignity and is just a, a great guy. Um, it is, uh, as you say, a weird one. Uh, I mean, what's great is that, yes, we have another case of Felix yeah, going in over his head, you know, trying to be the expert at everything. In this case, even dressing up as a Benihana chef and trying to prove himself in that, at that and it goes terribly. Um, but it is such a random thing for Felix to do 
and to invest in this restaurant and to have had this Japanese friend all along <laughs> that we never hear about that um, it's just not a very compelling plot idea. I think the whole joke, the whole episode's premise on a fish out of water kind of thing where, you know, it's, it's these two white guys in a Japanese restaurant where Felix is trying to be the one who gets it by speaking Japanese and knowing the cuisine. But a lot of the Oscar jokes about him not knowing how to sit on the floor, his foot falling asleep, not understanding the different foods. And, and a lot of that is, um, you know, it, it's kind of funny as clueless white guy stuff, but it's also, it ends up stereotyping uh, because it's like a lot of Amer like Americans kind of laughing at or m being mystified by this weird food fad, you know, of Japanese restaurants and a little mocking of that. So it just, yeah, it, it also, I'd, I would, I would give it more. I would overlook the uh, culturally insensitive things if it were just funnier. And I just don't have a lot of belly laughs from this episode. Yeah, I agree. There, there aren't belly laughs. It's, 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 it's a more of a steady line of funny moments to me. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. Actually, to me, the funniest moment is the very, is the very beginning when Felix, when he catches Felix stealing and Tony Randall's delivery, just smiling. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I, my favorite scene is probably the scene after that where Felix is in, you know, oh, in the, indignant right. that Oscar would think Felix yeah. has done something wrong here. That's true. Worth watching definitely the first 10 minutes of this episode. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that covers our summary of this episode. And uh, so if you have any feedback, questions, suggestions, comments, feel free to email us at 1049pod at gmail.com. And hope you will give us a five-star rating and good review on iTunes if you wish. So, uh, Garrett, I wish my horse had your nose. Bye-bye, Regato.